0: We go. All right. Welcome to Blue Lightning Healing Meditations. My name is Susie Parker Goins. I'm a channel bringing through divine to talk to you in a regular conversation. I'm an energy healer, a guide. My website is www.bluelightninghealing.com, and you can get a hold of me through there. And another thing I'm really good at is having fabulous friends. <laughs> I met Wyatt thanks to the pandemic. Wyatt Larson is a shaman and I'll have him explain that a little bit deeper. But um, I met him through these online events and I am so pleased that we have so much fun together and we're on panels together. So here's my friend Wyatt. Tell us what you do, honey.
1: Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Susie. (laughs) So Hi, everyone. My name is Wyatt Larson. I am a shaman, and my business is The Wildwood Hollow. You can find me at thewildwoodhollow.com. Basically, through shamanism, through these ancient techniques found around the world, I'm able to help my clients move forward or continue their path of healing, Yeah. with shamanism there's so much more to it than just healing there's also the divination side of it the oracular the sorcery the the trance work and everything else that goes with shamanism so it is just with these ancient techniques that I help people move forward in their path
0: cool I didn't realize it was that multifaceted first off please explain to me what a shaman is I guess what do I want maybe a a cultural context first is that what I want? No, I don't like that question. Tell me what a shaman is. I mean, you help people with their spiritual path and you say you use ancient techniques. Can anyone be a shaman?
1: Yes. How? So anyone can be a shaman. It is only through initiation. This and the by just saying that it kind of makes it sound like a cult. It's no. not. <laughs> initiation is sacred. It is so very sacred to pretty much any practice. You do not just start your practice. You're initiated into it by some sort of event. With shamanism, many people are, well, many people hear the shaman's call through a traumatic event known as a near-death experience. And lucky for me, I've had two. (laughs)
0: Lucky? Okay. Yeah. Near-death, I think, is the crucial phrase there.
1: (laughs) Near-death, indeed. But it is through this crossing of the veil that that doorway is open and it makes it easier for you to move back and forth. So a shaman who does, like you said, these multifaceted aspects of spirituality, they're able to move back and forth from physical reality or ordinary reality into the spiritual reality or non-ordinary reality. To do that, th- there's a <laughs> there's a whole ceremony that goes along with um, entering into trance and whatnot. Uh, you bring back information from these other worlds, from non ordinary reality. Talking to the spirits, talking to other beings, whether you're in the lower world, middle world, or upper world.
0: So it's it's only through the near death experience trauma.
1: That is what is most common.
0: Most common. Okay, because I hear traveling in the circles that we do, there's a there are several practitioners who have it or in their name. And because I've got this idea that it's only people of color who can be it, whether, you know, like South America, Central American individuals who can be, or even tribals can be it, that white people are kind of like left out. And I know now as I say it, it sounds so dumb (laughs) because... (laughs) because the magical tradition is pervasive. It's one that is undercover. There's a lot of folks who don't want to admit that there is a magical component even to their religions, you know, the ritual and the bringing up of energy. I know growing up Catholic, we sent our prayers up on the incense smoke. And then we had that whole ritual of the mass and stuff like that. I'm pleased to know you so that you can dispel those myths and misconceptions for me. You said you've had two near-death experiences. That's the most common way to hear the call. How did you go about your process? What did you need to do to feel fully, fully shamanated? (laughs) I don't know if that's a word. (laughs) So it's more than just reading a book and learning the techniques the initiation, then there's also, is that close secrecy about it? Cause Reiki was so the originator of Reiki wanted to keep it in Japan. And then somebody from the States came over and then brought it back. You know, is there some sort of uh, secrecy clause around it? Is this something you can talk about? Anybody can talk about?
1: You can talk about it, but the very important thing through secrecy. Um, so I hail from Norway. My ancestors come from Norway, which is where, my connection to shamanism comes from because the shaman is found throughout the world the word shaman comes from a siberian word and they are very white <laughs> and when it comes to that there's a word called runa runa is the word meaning secret or mystery or occult. there is a very intricate reason why everything about spirituality or shamanism is kept secret is because it's dangerous if used in the wrong hands or not understood. The same techniques that I use to heal someone can be used to harm someone in a very deep wounding way. This would be known as the sorcery path of shamanism. It's not something that I practice, nor will I ever practice that side, but it is something that is there and you can use these same techniques to do it. So there needs to be a veil there in some aspect. I was initiated through death, of course. Several years ago, I was on my way home. So I lived in Colorado. I was on my way home down I-25 southbound. And this is, at that point, a eight-lane highway. And there's a dividing wall between northbound and southbound. This was a very snowy night. And I hit a patch of black ice at about midnight and hit the dividing wall ricocheted across four lanes of traffic and there's a semi right behind me and uh (laughs) i will leave the rest to your imagination but i did crossover okay and i came back and it was this uh, initial event that initiated me that helped me hear the shaman's call Up until that point, I was just researching. I was doing this and that. I had been part of covens and Wicca and different pagan traditions. I've been researching Atlantis and crystals and crystal skulls and everything else in between. And it, oh, and herbalism. I was very huge into herbalism, still am. But none of it made sense. None of it fit together very easily until I died and came back. It was after that, everything kind of fell into place. Everything about my path started to make sense. And so I found my teachers, Jim and Roxanne, in Woodland Park, Colorado. Wonderful people. I love them dearly. They are now retired. So congratulations, if you guys are watching this or listening. They taught me everything that I know. And from that, I was able to expand upon what they taught me and create my own path. They taught me the bones of what I needed. So yes. And then my second near-death experience, which is very important as well in the story, is what initiated me into finality. It is when the spirits gave me the name shaman. They don't call me Wyatt. They don't call me shamanism practitioner. They say, shaman, do this. Shaman, do that. Shaman, we need to do something about this. Shaman, there's a spirit. Shaman, shaman, shaman. They don't call me by my name.
0: <laughs> well, that is your name then.
1: It is It is now my namesake. Yeah. Um, this near-death experience, I was in Peru. I was initiated in this way through the sacred brew known as Ayahuasca. And... It was beautiful. It was my fourth ceremony, and there was nothing but light. And it was something that I will never forget. I was completely crossed over. My spirit was intertwining with that of creator and the rest of consciousness throughout the entire universe, not just us. And it was like a dance. And I could have just stayed and not come back, and I would have been completely fine. (laughs) Wow. But I was told to come back. It was... My best friend Alec, he went down with me and he started whispering in my physical ear, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to come home. And so from this, my spirits were around me. I could see them. They were giving me a power song so I could feel back in my body, like hitting on the open bones where you can feel them. So like on the collarbone, the knees, the shins, elbows, the chest area, jaw, face, tapping on these, my bones are home. I am a shaman, these bones are home. And I would chant that, and that is what in, <laughs> that is what brought me back, is that chanting. And it was this initiation, like I said before, that the spirits from that point on no longer called me Wyatt. They would call me Young One or Dremvulker, um, which is Bulgarian. It's funny, meaning dreamwalker. Oh, wow. But they would call me that. I had no idea they've been calling me that since I was 12. <laughs> and it was a very interesting in time but that initiation is what gave me my namesake of shaman and i don't like using it because it is egoic i usually like saying shamanism practitioner but okay. my spirits are trying to work with me on owning my power and the way of doing this is yeah. to call myself shaman so there's so much more as to what creates a shaman versus shamanism practitioner and we can get into that well, let's, if we could look at the
0: difference between those two, because with your experiences, I'm like, whoa, okay, well, I know better now. I, I do know some practitioners who call themselves shamanistic practitioners. I'm going to assume is that you have gone through some incredible life experiences. And, and I know from talking with you at these events, you are here to serve the community. You're here to help heal people and to to show them a path. And a shamanistic practitioner, it seems to me they have the same intention, but there's just something in there that hasn't happened for them. I'm thinking is that, can you clarify that for me, please?
1: I will do my best. Okay. (laughs) With my own understanding and what the spirits have taught me. A shaman, and this is where that definition will come in. Shaman is a word coming from Siberia, uh, coming from a Siberian tribe called the Tungus. It is a man or a woman who is interacting directly with spirits to address spiritual aspects of illness, perform soul retrieval, divine information, help spirits of deceased people cross over, and perform a variety of other ceremonies. This is extremely important to know because based off of that, you can kind of deduce that it is... The shaman is the spiritual leader of a tribe, a group of people, a community. Okay. Okay. You, you can be a shamanic practitioner, know the techniques, be very in tune with nature and the spirits, but you're not a true shaman until you have people depend on you, until you have a community to serve. Oh. Shamanism survives so long because they had to know where the food is. And so divining where that information is, where the food is moving... It's true information if they can go and find this food. So it survives so long, and the shaman, because of that, has gained such importance within any community, uh, whether it's healing, performing rites, healing the land, blessing the land, so on and so forth. And I could keep going on on that side. But a shamanic practitioner does not have this community that depends on them. And so I know I like to say I'm a shamanic practitioner because sometimes I feel like I don't have this community that depends on me at that level. Yes, I have some people who depend on me, but it's not at the level that would create a shaman. And so many of us who are in this Western culture don't have this community, but we know the techniques. Many of us have gone through the initiations that I have. Some haven't, and that's okay. It doesn't make us shamans.
0: Okay, so you can't just... Take the name and apply it to yourself and just put it in your name and be one. There are certain experiences and growth, it feels, that needs to happen to be worthy of being called that. Now, is that a community-bestowed title?
1: Yes and no. Uh, it, It varies around the world. Traditionally, depending on which tradition, a young shaman is chosen by the senior shaman a young person to learn, to apprentice, and would serve as the shaman's apprentice for a very, very long time up until the shaman passed over. It was thought that when you a shaman taught you a certain ritual or ceremony in such a very particular way, they no longer had that ability. So they were passing on the power to this young shaman. Oh. And so it was extremely important. It, it's a very ceremonial, symbolic, passing of the torch if you will to this next generation. I don't know why I went on that. I kind of forgot where we're going, but It's
0: no, it's fascinating. I'm I'm entranced. Shaman being a community bestowed title versus having some sort of grand graduation ceremony. So, but that's fascinating about the the idea that as an elder teaches the younger that that skill is actually passed on. Huh. Mhm.
1: And then because of that, because it's so ancient, that skill being passed on gains more power with each coming generation. So there's another reason why the veil is there is because if someone taught something to its full extent, they would no longer have that power in a lot of different traditional cultures.
0: Okay. So you've already blown open the idea that it was only a person of color thing, that it is something that happens throughout the world and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're showing me a map. <laughs> the guys are like, yeah, you're caught in an ego-based thing here. It is all the way over here, and it's over there, and it's it's so beyond. And shamanic practices. So there are books that are written about it. It's not like you can read a book and learn it. It feels to me that the, the bond, the the relationship between the elder and the younger is the master and the student is really important.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's traditionally. Uh-huh. In recent, (laughs) I say recent years, but over the past like 500 years, it's been kind of understood now that all you really need to know is how to journey because the spirits can teach you the rest. So you don't really need to have that apprenticeship. It is very much to your benefit in the Western culture to have that apprenticeship because you gain credibility and it kind of soothes the ego like oh yeah i don't know how to do this i'm just doing whatever the spirits are telling me and i don't know if they're actually real you know get yeah, that,
0: we get into that whole thing about credibility how many certificates do i need on my wall to prove <laughs> that i am something when i'm doing something so blatantly woo woo <laughs> you know right. so but i and I do agree with you, I think that's a Western culture hang up, and then, of course, there is public health and safety, so there are some practices that that would nice to have some level of expertise done. But how do you measure spirit guide receptivity and and what guides you have and
1: in- right, and that's the entire soothing of the ego and within shamanism, the egoic death comes through many different ways. you cannot journey with ego, you cannot move into these spiritual realms with ego, because ego is the one to tell you that you're just imagining things.
0: So I recently did a piece on kundalini. And part of the kundalini awakening experience is that self realization that you're able to release ego. Mm. And it seems to me there's some similarity, I don't know exactly, but it feels like I've been researching these similar these parallel paths of spiritual practices. So what we're all looking for, I would think ideally would be an opportunity or some way to release the ego, to release our attachments to all of the physical. And yet we've got all these other folks on the other side going, no, no, you have to do it this way. So that's the process I feel we're going through right now is is letting go and waking up, if you will. How does shamanism fit in with modern day with, you know, during the pandemic?
1: Um, That's a great question. First of all, how does something so ancient fit into a modern society with technology and modern medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Many people understand and have heard the concept mind, body, soul, that what happens to one affects the other. I should also put an emotional body as well, because that is a very important part of our uh, physiology. The shaman looks to the root of illnesses and diseases and traumatic events, um, excuse me, not traumatic events, but illnesses, diseases, disharmonies within the body, and that usually ends up being a traumatic event. There we go. Mm -hmm. By looking at this and healing this at this spiritual level, this is where humanity... I do not have a proper... Get back (laughs) in your body right now! I didn't even drum today. Um... (laughs) so <laughs> wow i kind of forgot where we're going
0: uh, uh shamanism fitting in with the modern day
1: yes okay See, so, one of
0: us is still in body okay
1: <laughs> it's it's fine the shaman walks two worlds at the same time so right so
0: you were talking about the different bodies mind body spirit emotions right indices and disharmony
1: so we have lost our connection to ourselves to nature You know, we look to nature as something separate, but we came and evolved and was created from the very nature we write off that we take advantage of. I'm sure Mother Earth has said something very similar, like, several times. But it's through this reconnecting that you experience by getting shamanic healing where you are reconnected to your soul where the mind is reconnected to the soul. I can heal you of, well, I can't, but me and my guides, my spirits, can heal you of the root cause of even cancer, leukemia. But it is not us that does the healing in the end. You have to believe it. You have to do the footwork to integrate what you learned. You have to do the integration of the dissociation from this traumatic event. This dissociation is known as a soul loss and for us shamans to bring that soul back into your body to help you feel whole this is very natural all in all dissociation is the psychological word for it but by bringing in this soul peace is going to unlock energies and power and strength that you haven't had in a very long time these gifts but it's up to you to go through and integrate what you learned during the trauma. Otherwise, you're just going to re-traumatize yourself. Right. And if you don't believe that this healing occurred, of course it's not going to show up. Of course it's not going to appear. Of course you weren't healed. You just went to some woo-woo person. No, no, you didn't. They were doing a very real work. It is not on us at that point. It is on you to believe whether or not it worked.
0: Yeah. I I believe it's not on a practitioner to convince somebody that what they do is valid. I struggle with that, you know, trying to explain to my my best friend, this atheist. And, you know, she finally got around saying, so what is it you do? And you've heard my shmuel on the channel and podcast is this. And we were driving on a dark highway and she didn't throw me out. She just sat there and went, huh? She didn't know. I felt very happy that I didn't feel like I had to go, but, 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 see, 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 this is uh, no, it's I didn't feel the need to justify it, right? I, whether it's that competence or the fact that I was hitting my head against a wall, or I don't know what, but it was just, this is what you do, and this is as a shaman, I can see this is what you do, and so you're drawing those people to you who I would think had a belief that they are getting that help they need,
1: right? There's a really good thing out there. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. Both sides of it. You know, you have to believe that your clients will come and then the clients will come, but they have to believe that they received a healing from someone. Yeah. My power is my power and who I am is who I am. But your strength and your own power is who you are. It's your path. You can decide whether or not you believe me.
0: That's when we get into that discernment aspect of it. Does this energy resonate with me or does that person resonate with over there? So that's been the interesting thing with these online events is that we're all sitting around and there's a question of, does energy travel through the virtual format? Absolutely. Why not? Yeah, and absolutely. Energy, does. Everybody talks about thoughts and prayers or Reiki or sending. You know, when I had my cancer experience, I called on as many people as I could to send mm. energy. Somebody had the unfortunate task of saying, so where are we sending it? And it was colon cancer. So I got to say, my butt, send it to my <laughs> butt.
1: <laughs> it's just as sacred as the rest of your book. It is.
0: Well, yeah, it's all there, you know, but I am a firm <laughs> believer that where energy is directed, that's where one can affect change.
1: Right. And right.
0: then we've all got this thesaurus of spirituality in front of us saying, how do you present it? Like I once asked somebody, can I send Reiki to your husband? She went, no, no, I don't believe in that stuff. What about thoughts? Can I send prayers to him? Oh yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. For me, it's essentially the same thing. It's just how one presents it to make it accessible to the other. I think that's part of where my channeling happens is like what guide, what formation, what aspect of divine is going to become resonant with you? Is that the same thing you have going with, with shamanism with being a shaman? Is that you present who you are, and if it resonates, it does. Or do you change it up? Or I, how does that I, work?
1: Let's put it: I do not change the bones. Okay. You can, if you look at your body, you have a malleable skin. You can flex it. You can change it. Your bones do not do that, and so I cannot change the bones of who I am or my practice. But. When it comes down to the healing story that I experienced when I was in non-ordinary reality, when I was going and picking these souls from the stars, when I was going and bringing a power animal back for them to help integrate, when I was extracting pits of snakes from their heart, that is the story that I can change, that I can tell, shift the words for them to understand. The bones of my practice will never change. The bones of me will never change. But it's the words and how they can relate to it that will change.
0: So what it is, the the essence of what you do will never change. Right. But how it it comes forward for the the client, it's going to be put into terms they understand?
1: Yes. Um,
0: I mean, you mentioned the bones and the snakes coming from hearts. Is that how you would tell that to somebody?
1: If they're open to it, yes. If not, and they are kind of more on the skittish side, I would say I removed energy that was in your heart that no longer served you okay they don't have to know the details if it's Susie, if i was working on you yeah absolutely i'd tell you everything that i saw but if i was working on someone else who is maybe brand new to the path or someone who is skittish and skeptical i will put this in terms of just light and energy because that's what it is. That's all really what it is. It's just these are representations of things for me to extract or to pull, to um, uh, replace. It's all just symbolic in the end.
0: Okay. But the essence of the healing, whether it's energetic or a snake or taking a, a journey, the the essence of it is still the same. It's still at the heart of it is, is helping someone shift to a different reality, to a different resonance is that the word I want I don't know but you're helping them shift
1: right um many people may come to me or other shamans when they've hit a roadblock in their own okay. you know talk therapy they need something more they don't know what else to talk about because they can only get so far you know talking is great it can only get you so far though
0: <laughs> yeah I, I frequently hit my head against not frequently but there are times I I resist. And so I've got to look and see what it, what's resisting. And I can use the brain. I can sit there and think, well, you know, there's this and this and this. And then once you have it all laid out, it's like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, It's like, okay, I got all this. So that's when I see. And I have clients like that. Yeah. I tried it. I couldn't figure it out. So I'm coming to you or I would go to a trusted practitioner. Right to get that perspective to get that added oomph to it that's fascinating
1: cool um and then the same aspect you know most people if they have a bad feeling about a doctor they're not going to go to a doctor it should be the same thing when you visit a shaman if you don't have a good feeling about this shaman don't visit them but we shamans or shamanic practitioners have also a little bit more leeway than a doctor. If we don't get a good feeling about the person we're healing, we can say and hold our boundaries. I don't think today, or I don't think I'm the right practitioner. Yeah. And then I'll pull out a list of other practitioners.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I noticed that. I I was brought up in the corporate world. It's like, yeah, if I'm going to present a problem, let me present a solution. Mm -hmm. So here, these are other people. And, And it's important to me to have a list of people on hand that I trust. I don't necessarily have to work with each and every one of them, but to be able to say, no, I know this person and they're good, it's still helping the community and helping other people heal and to, to shift their energy and to, to work within this interesting time, these interesting times and uh, the vibrational shifts.
1: Right. And it's, it's important in this time um, to be able to rely on community, whether it is a spiritual leader or your friend.
0: So there are spiritual leaders out there who are not so spiritual. I'm, I'm digging up these different stories. I don't know why this question is coming forward for you, but we talk about practitioners we trust. Why would there be someone who would want to go out there to, to swindle folks? It just amazes me that there are some folks out there. Some folks call us charlatans and they challenge us. But what about those who are out there with who are up to no good?
1: Right. And that's the sorcery aspect. It's... oh, Sorcery is not just trying to harm someone. It is also manipulation. It is this corruption of trust that people are putting in someone. When... And I say this not lightly because um, I am not exactly a fan of the beliefs... For my own self, but within the Bible, it does say, "Do not trust a false prophet." But you, it's going to be hard to know who a false prophet is. And obviously, I'm not saying a word for word. (laughs) (laughs) But it is it is very hard to tell who a false prophet is because they have a big following. They are very silver tongued. They have wonderful wordage, and they make it sound so fancy and graceful, and easy. And easy. They make it sound so easy. But it's not. Yeah. They will never They will never tell you about the inner work. They will never tell you about how to rely on yourself, what it means to have a dark night of the soul, what it means to have a near-death experience. They will never tell you this because this is self-reliance upon who you are and what they want is for you to rely upon them. Okay. for you to rely upon them at such a level that it is easy to manipulate you and for their own good. And then okay. if you try and leave, some of them may try and curse, may try and perform sorcery through these very techniques that I perform for healing. Okay. And it's very, it, it's dangerous. And these false prophets, you know, shamanism is a path of direct, um, direct revelation for you to talk directly with his spirits, I've had conversations with Jesus, who's just an ascended master. Yeah, like Jesus, Mary, you've you've brought in Mother Mary before.
0: I I, I was about to say, oh Jesus, I've talked to them all. <laughs> <But> yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I have. I love working with Mary Magdalene.
1: Precisely, you know, working with Mary Magdalene, with the Magdalene Collective, like Galactic Ashley says, working with Jesus Christ, or even if you want to go over to someone else, um, Buddha, or Shiva in Hindu, you know, you can talk to any of these people, or you can even go to Mother Earth, directly to Mother Earth, to the spirits that reside on the land, you can talk to your own higher self, this is a path of direct revelation. You don't need to rely on someone else to tell you what it is. Yeah, sure, I like going and getting my cards read, but I do it to double check what I'm getting is true.
0: There is a lot of, there. I I encounter folks who, you know, I I listen to their guides and they said, well, yeah, I thought I heard it, but I didn't trust it. Mm -hmm. What would be the source of a lack of trust in one's own intuition?
1: Um, That goes back to we are disconnected from nature we're disconnected from ourselves okay you don't trust nature spirituality is just as nature as we are it is not physical in a lot of aspects it has physical symbol uh, symbolism like go to stonehenge you know yeah. it's all stone but the roots of it it's all just energy yeah such amazing ceremonies happen there at stonehenge but it you can take the stones away and just do the ceremony as is you know it, stones physical reality don't mean anything but to us it provides permanence yeah and so the trust in something non-physical is hard for the western culture because we're so disconnected from it we don't perceive it the same way the ancients did
0: for me spirituality is believing in something that makes you better for having been here. You leave the place right. better for having been here. It doesn't have to be the Bible. It doesn't have to be the Quran or the Torah. It, it's, it's just this general, it's not a book, which you know. I feel religions are man-made constructs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and it may take some of that responsibility off of someone to actually do some inner work. But in general, it, it's spirituality that's however you see it that makes you want to strive to be better to make an impact a positive impact
1: right right and if you look at the roots of all religion you'll find the same bones that's found within shamanism shamanism is the first it is the bones of what we worship you peel back all the layers and you find exorcism is compassion, depossession, and extraction at its finest. You know, trying to, uh, what is it, within psychology, you can find dissociation, soul loss. And by going through this, they believe that they can help this person retrieve their own soul through talk therapy or through um, re-experiencing the trauma where they take you on a guided meditation. You can find the bones of shamanism in, everything because it was the first religion it i do not like that word but it was the first practice
0: okay that first connection with spirit yep cool that's awesome i'm getting all kinds of shivery now or maybe i should close my window but um a little chilly today (laughs) it is it's lovely but i've got my skulls all sitting along here so, and my dragon, I keep dropping dropping my dragon in little chips, he's looking a little bit more war weary.
1: <laughs> he's just showing his true form, yeah,
0: yeah, so wow, that's you've really dispelled a whole lot of of ideas I've had about it that I feel i I don't give some folks enough credit. And, and I, and I, what I tend to do is to like when I was working with my black dragon at first, like, oh, you're so great. You're so wonderful. Let me, let me be respectful. And he just sat over there and just went, oh, for the love of God, would you just get over it and let's start working. Right. So, you know, shamanism is, feels to me like pulling up your, your sleeves and saying, okay, let's go tackle, but let's do this. Mm -hmm. And having an experienced or, or. Practiced guide to take you to those parts. I can see shamanism is taking one deeper than they could typically do on, say, a YouTube meditation. <laughs> you
1: know? Right, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Though I will it. say. And a really funny side story if this doesn't make it, it's fine. But my brother was doing a, um, a hypnotism on YouTube when we were younger and so he was like really entranced and I had like this spiral or whatnot. But I just remember this guy saying, alright, and you'll fall asleep in one, two, three, and I hear a snap and Morgan fell to the floor. And I'm like, what just happened? And that was on YouTube. I'm like, oh, that's probably not safe.
0: <laughs> the hell? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I... I, and and that's, that's the reason I asked that question about these folks who are just tossing their names out and calling themselves shaman. And I'm like, really? I don't know. And it could just be a question of their energy not resonating with mine. And that's part of the process is using that discernment.
1: Right, right. And not every shaman is going to tell their stories. It's just kind of their their thing you know near-death experience i'm comfortable with it i've lived through it i love that experience and i love death you know it's cool i don't call it death it's transition the transition transition. is so sacred it's just as sacred as a birth but we don't treat it as such we treat it as a point of grief and avoidance you know
0: yeah and birth is a transition too it is so it's all a cycle. It's all a transition. Wow. Okay. Can't think of anything else. Do you have anything you want to add?
1: <laughs> I, mean, I have so much I can add. <laughs> cool. Um,
0: okay. No, what do you want me to ask about? There's something you want me to ask about.
1: Um, I mean, Tool- you- about tools or the journey itself or what happens or different tribes like the the aboriginals to Siberia, the Ulchi in Mongolia, or um the medicine people here, you can you can ask all sorts of things. I have knowledge souls stored away. Oh good. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Let's let's talk about some of the tools. It feels like that, you know, I I there's drumming that happens in many different cultures. And being up here with a, with a, a, I don't know. See, there's even there's some in the tribal, in the, in the first people cultures here. There's some in the cultic. And then, you know, there's just drumming that happens all over the place. How does drumming fit into this? What is, what, what, what is that magical power that drumming has?
1: So in drumming. Um, And I will lead off with something highly interesting. The drum in the old country known as Lapland, which is now Finland, it was banned to carry a drum in Lapland. Really? Because of the power that it holds. The country government of Lapland banned it for the reason of why I'm going to share now, really. Really? The drum is the chariot. The drum is what leads us into trance. Um, You can hear it, and maybe I will play a little bit. Um, The drum, what it does, and I'll explain it scientifically because yay the Western world. The drum activates the theta waves within the brain, which then allows us to stabilize it by listening to a consistent fast-paced beat of the drum. The stabilization of this theta wave that's within the brain allows us to enter into what's known as trance, where in the deepest parts of our dreams, where we experience the most intense, vivid dreams, that's the theta wave. It's where we are at our lowest point. And so by accessing that and bringing it out, we're able to journey, free up the free part of the soul to go experience the other world's non-ordinary reality and then do work and bring back the information or healing or magic or power or whatever. And so the drum... Through this monotonous tone, this repetitive tone, we're able to enter into that trance. And it's not only just the drum, you can with a rattle as well. This is a lot more portable. You can put in a purse or a backpack or whatnot, more than a drum. You can do it with dancing, you can do it with singing, you can do it with many other things but it's this monotonous repetitive rhythm that allows us to journey and so you ride the drum beats or the rattle beats or whatever it is you ride this into the lower middle or upper world to do your work and then you come back with it
0: okay so you're talking about people journeying but it's the shaman who journeys, right? And then brings back the information or does the, the individual go with the shaman?
1: Uh, Susie, you can do it too. You know, everyone can journey. It's not that hard to journey. It's, okay. Traditionally, it's believed that it's more difficult to journey if you have not had a near-death experience because that okay. door has not been opened for you. Okay. So okay. you have to open that door and then walk through, it, and then when you come back, the door closes again. So it's a consistent process for someone who's gone through an NDE. That door is always open, and you can move back and forth. It okay with that drum B, I I could probably fall into a, a trance within a minute. Yeah, whereas most people and a lot of people, it'll take six, seven, eight minutes.
0: Okay, well, yeah, you're 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 accustomed to it. So, tools, how important are they to your process?
1: A tool is a tool. You know, I can do my work without it. I can do, I can have the drum beats by tapping on the lobe of my ear. I can do whatever I need just with my body. But the tools provide, and this is important to Wyatt, um, compartmentalization of power. It is where... I am able to rely on something that when I pick up my wind whistle, I know what I'm, what it's for. When I pick up my drum, I know what it's for. When I pick up my mask, I know what I'm about to do. And it creates a time crystal, if you will. It creates ceremony. And the more that you create ceremony, the more your body and spirit is going to know, all right, we're going to do this. This, we're, is where we're this is where we're at. This is what we're doing. It creates a rhythm within time. Okay. It creates a, 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 what is that called? It's a, um, a rut is a very not good word.
0: No, it, it's part of the ritual. I know when I set up my space to work for the day, I smudge, I light my candle, I sit down and I focus. Mm-hmm. And, and we were doing, when we were able to get out we would go over to langus park um, in the flat so it's north of everett and we would do um, sabbat celebrations there and so we had every time we came in we knew we were entering into the ceremonial space and the same thing with the moon work that we would do we would go to the same place and it was ready for us in fact um you could say the the area was primed for us. I don't know if other people who were not associated with the ritual were affected by it, but it was it put us into that state of mind that this is what we're here for right. so I can see that yeah so while I, I say yeah, I don't need all the all of the trappings you know I've got my 12 pointed star, I've got my bogie stones and they're all in a sacred mm-hmm. shape they're in the triangle and you know, they help me when I'm writing and, and help me channel a bunch of information there. right So so it having the tangible I guess uh, it, it, it anchors a person into that experience,
1: particularly
0: right. if it's a, a tool that they use for that particular process for that ritual and that's what they use. It's, you know I grew up going to ritual masses and you know you knew you were there, you knew you had to do this and do that. And even when I went like 20 years later, it's like, I still remember part of this. They changed some words just so they could catch the the lapsed Catholics, you know.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, they're all about recatching us. But to have that that ceremony, I can see as a practitioner for you, it would be important so that you would be in that mood, in that place where you could, mm-hmm. you don't have to deal with, with clients, you know. So how can I help you? Boom. And we're there. We don't have to spend the time right. talking about the dog or, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, I will say in my own practice, I will talk about that dog because it creates rapport and it, yeah. you know, it comforts that person. You know, if they're just like, I'm just here for the healing, well, we can hop right in. But yeah. Um, creating this rapport really helps them settle in, which allows the healing to take a lot easier
0: Yeah, relaxing Uh, into it is really important. But to have that comfort level established between practitioner and client, I think is very important and it does help to to zoom into it.
1: It, Yeah, it really does.
0: But then Uh, that's a question of developing trust. You trust your practitioner, if you trust your client, then bang, you can get it going.
1: Right. (laughs) And now we're back to the trust. (laughs) (laughs) But my tools are extremely sacred to me. They hold such power. And, you know, my drum, it's one of my symbols, you know. My drum has a snake on and a handprint, and it's, you know, it represents me. My snake is my um, power animal, and my handprint is the DNA of who I am. It's the same handprint that my ancestors had, you know. There's so much behind it. You know, my rattle has the same thing. My furs and... My coats and my tools that I use, the stones, the the knife, the wind whistles, everything else. It's all there has its power.
0: Yeah. Did you make your drum?
1: I did not make it. No, it's a moose hide, and I got it from a wonderful company up in Canada. Um, it is seventeen inches. It is a very big drum. I love it. Yeah. Um, moose hide. You guys, y'all heard it. It was very. Low. Yeah. It it is. Is very it's very deep. 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 Very yeah, it is very
0: deep. Yeah, I felt it like below the heart, just between the heart and the solar plexus. So, no. yeah. OK.
1: Yeah, it's quite powerful. But no, I didn't make it. I do plan on making my own um, one of these days, but that'll be a little while. Okay. So for now.
0: And And then that piece I've seen you wear that goes across your face, is that your mask? It looks like it's fringe.
1: Yes. So the fringe mask or the shaman's mask allows me to hold the darkness. So a shaman is one who sees in the dark. And so it allows me to hold this darkness when I'm somewhere light or where I need to um, do healing on someone and I need to open my eyes. I usually work with my eyes closed, but when I'm doing healing work on someone and I need to scratch a something out or I need to suck out uh, something that needs to be extracted this mask helps me hold that veil So,
0: oh okay cool uh, are we complete okay because I know shamans they're not doctors they don't they're not medical practitioners but we've already talked about the conne- connection between body, body, body mind <laughs> Spirit and emotions. <laughs> so I think I'm good. You, I, gosh, you've really helped to dispel a lot of the. I know I keep saying it, but it's true. You keep you have dispelled a whole lot of my false notions about it. And and I get what I've truly gotten from you is how sacred a path it is.
1: Mm-hmm. You it's... Know, it, yeah it's extremely sacred the you know it's protected by the native peoples here in america for a very good reason you know they do call appropriation and whatnot for the medicine that of what shamanism is but it's something that needs to be shared and is shared already because the bones of it is found throughout the entire world that's core shamanism the drama is found everywhere like you said and yeah Ireland and here in America and up in Lapland and over in the Aboriginals. It's it's everywhere. So it's not it doesn't belong just to one people. But I do respect that the individual practice of the medicine people here in America is that. And I will never claim I'm a medicine person.
0: Okay. So that's where that thesaurus of spirituality gets very clear-cut shaman is one thing a medicine person and and i and i respect like oh god what was it in the 90s they were doing um sweat lodges just you know marge and fred were coming in from utah to go do one and then oh golly you overheated sorry about that (laughs) you know so i can understand that the disrespectful use that's for profit or the manipulation that we talked about um is not going to be, I, I, not only should that practitioner who thinks they can help, you know, who's doing it just for profit should be discerning, but I, I feel the people who are in search of healing need to understand why they're looking for it. If it's just because, so they can take pictures of it and put them up on the wall or, you know, do those old slideshows. It's right. not, it's it's the intention that is so important to it. And, and I, I, you know, just talking to you today, it's like, wow, You've got a very sincere and deeply set, uh, you know, lifetimes back intention of being the healer who helps, and you're, and it, you're not afraid of the dark, of the shadow work. No, because you've done it. You've done all of that shadow work. Two near death experiences, and you know, and you're back.
1: <laughs> and I'm back. And the shadow work is never done. It is a continuous thing.
0: Yeah, I think so. I i think you can work on it to a point where there's a balance there, but shadow work and to think that I think that's a definition too that I'll, I'll explore at some point as shadow work. That's a concept. It's like people think, oh, I can do it and I'm done. It's like, no, you've got to keep working on stuff. But then you're healing ancestors and you're healing, um, mm-hmm. what is it, ancestors, what goes forward? Descendants. There we go. Yeah. So, ancestors and descendants. And so, our shadow work works to to get that equilibrium going so we can function normally and to help those before and after so that's i think that's what i'm going to call you back to work to talk about next
1: time take us on a journey to our ancestors oh
0: Oh, that would be so cool i'm gonna whip out my phone now (laughs) but i've got like three things to edit so oh my god that's brilliant that's brilliant i i would love to talk to you about shadow work that means that's one script i don't have to write
1: <laughs> oh yeah absolutely come to me like i'm sure, here baby sure. so many things that you can talk to me about
0: oh god you know it's a it's a good idea i like it i'm gonna say i'm bored let's talk to wyatt
1: <laughs> hey i'm all for it usually i'm
0: i'm so it. glad
1: I was looking forward to this for so long, too. I'm like, Ugh! it just needs to be here already. I want to talk to Susie.
0: Yay. I'm so glad. <laughs> Wyatt, this has been so great. Okay. I'm so happy. I am so happy we did this. Thank you very much, Wyatt Larson, for for this really... I, this is... Uh, 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 uh. You would think I do this all the time, right? <laughs> this has been so enlightening, and it's certainly helped me clarify. You have clarified for me a whole lot of the the, the concepts and the and the traditions surrounding shamanism, and I am so grateful that you have taken the time, and I know we've talked about you coming back, of course. Of course, I'm so excited. So this has been Blue Lightning Healing Meditations. I'm Susie Parker Goins. You can find me at www.bluelightninghealing.com. And Wyatt, tell me about tell me how to get a hold of you and what you've got in development.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, First of all, I want to say thank you, Susie, for inviting me, and it's it's been a real pleasure and honor to be able to share my experiences here.
0: I'm trying not to squeak.
1: My name is uh, Wyatt Larson. I am a shaman or shamanism practitioner from the Wildwood Hollow. You can find me at thewildwoodhollow.com. In development, I have a few things. I am creating currently a journey class where you can learn how to journey uh, the shaman way, I suppose. I am also in development a... um, journey group where once a month we will meet we will perform three journeys together as a group on a specific topic and we will bring back the information that we have gathered and converse about it Um, some people receive healing others meet ancestors and descendants we go and meet with certain spirits of the land that has just created an earthquake or go to a fire and help heal it you know anything that happens during that month um whether on the big events or personal we will be doing a journey on that so oh
0: how cool
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm really excited about it and it is going to be online um through zoom of course uh all donation based uh, easy stuff so if you are interested in doing that um, go subscribe over at the wildwoodhollow.com and i'll send out uh, updates about that in in time so i'm super excited about it and yeah it'll be fun
0: oh that is so awesome i love that okay well i'm already signed up so i'm okay right
1: <laughs> I <laughs> yes mean, the newsletter
0: the newsletter i'm <laughs> signed up for that i'm good okay well thanks again and blue lightning healing meditations um i am so excited for this to go up so we can get all this information out. And until next time, blessings. Thank you again for joining me for another episode on Transformation Talk Radio. My name is Susie Parker Goins of Blue Lightning Healing and Blue Lightning Healing Meditations. My website is www.bluelightninghealing.com and you can email me at Susie SUSY. That's Susie at Blue Lightning Healing.com. Blessings. Go ahead. Say it. Say
1: it. Love everyone. (laughs) Blessings.